sermon. Take one. Good morning, River West Church family and friends tuning in online. I'm so happy that you're joining us together today from your home as we're learning how to navigate quarantine life together. So today we're going to wrap up this Abundant Life series that we've been in as we've been exploring how Jesus' resurrection changes our outlook and impacts the way that we live and sustains us with hope in these trying times. But before we dig in to today's text from 1 Peter, I just want to acknowledge all the moms out there. It's Mother's Day, 2020, and I'm not sure there's ever been a moment in history where it's fitting to honor and appreciate moms. Moms, without you, the world that we know right now would spin into total chaos. So mom, if you're watching, I love you. We made you a mask. And I'm sorry if that spoils the surprise. Now, I know that sounds strange that we are sending our moms mass, but it turns out many of you are sending your moms mass for Mother's Day. And it's one of those strange icons of this quarantine time that we're all navigating together, where have you had moments where the strangeness of this whole ordeal sets in? Maybe it's you packing an envelope and mailing a mask to your mom on Mother's Day. For me, it was a moment this last week as I was standing outside Wells Fargo and I was getting ready to go into the bank and deposit a check. And I realized that everyone that was stepping into Wells Fargo looked like a bank robber. Now, six months ago, If I walked into the bank with a mask on, I'm pretty sure the security guard would have tased me. But now if you go into the bank and you're not wearing a mask, it's strange. We're living in strange, unsettling times. Can you believe that it has been now eight weeks since we gathered and worshiped together as a community? In homeschool parenting time, that's 82,080 minutes, which roughly accounts for 15.5% of this year that's mostly been spent for the Kaufman family relearning math, wearing pajamas well past noon, and engaging in an endless array of Zoom calls. And while this whole ordeal has absolutely come with moments where my heart has been filled to overflow with joy and gratitude for God's grace and kindness to my own family, to our church family, there's also been days where my heart has grown weary and tired and even frustrated as we've all navigated this strange, disruptive experience in the wake of COVID-19 together. 
With each news story that airs, we're confronted with the harsh realities of an economic recession and new social restrictions that aren't likely going away anytime soon. So deep down, I know we're all wondering, will things ever take a turn for the better? And when? So today I want to ask you what I've come to believe is one of the most critically important questions that we can ask as followers of Christ in this season. And the question goes like this. How's your hope? I mean, honestly, in this moment right now, on a scale of one to 10, how hopeful are you feeling these days? You see, for many, if we're being honest, with each week that passes in quarantine, I think our hopes are beginning to wane. So friends, today, wherever you're at in your journey of faith, whether you're filled with hope and feeling fortunate, or whether your hopes are waning and you're feeling the weariness of this experience set in. I believe that God wants to infuse our hearts today with the only hope that's strong enough to sustain us in these uncertain times. It's the hope that lies at the very epicenter of the Christian faith And it is a hope that the biblical writers call a living hope. And as we'll see, this hope is utterly unique, unlike any other hope available to us in this world. It's the kind of hope that only someone that's been resurrected from the dead can offer. Last week, Pastor Adam gave us a window into the hope and joy that welled up in the Apostle Peter's heart as he came face to face with resurrected Jesus on the shore of the Lake of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. Years later, this same Peter wrote a letter, a very pastoral letter to a group of churches that were scattered in homes throughout Asia Minor to Christians in these communities who were facing intense persecution and suffering collectively. So he penned a deeply intimate, potent pastoral letter to pass on what he would call a living hope that he received firsthand from Jesus Christ. So wherever you're at, Go ahead, hit the pause button, refill your coffee, and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1 today. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, According to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, for the obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling 
with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is God's word. In a time where there's rampant fear and uncertainty, I'm convinced that what you and I need more than any other thing available to us right now is the living hope that Peter talks about in this passage in 1 Peter. So what I want to do with the remainder of our time together is to draw two timely truths out of this passage in 1 Peter that just could not be more pertinent, more applicable, applicable and relevant to the times that we're facing. And truth number one that Peter passes on to us is this. It's why we can rest secure in our living hope, even in the midst of a global pandemic. Why we can rest secure in our hope. You see, friends, hope from a biblical perspective is not a positive attitude or mere just wishful thinking about the future. I think so often when we use the word hope, we're talking about desiring outcomes that may or may not come to pass. For example, I hope that by staying at home, practicing social distancing, wearing a mask and, and endlessly washing my hands before I go to the grocery store and afterwards, I will not contract the coronavirus. I will not pass it on unknowingly to others in our community. And I hope that by flattening the curve in Oregon, we'll see empty churches and businesses slowly and safely begin to open their doors again. Like you, I have these hopes. And while these hopes are absolutely good, and we should actually make these hopes our prayers, biblical hope is qualitatively different than this kind of hoping. 
One theologian, D.A. Carson, offers us a helpful definition of the biblical word for hope. He calls it a certain confidence and assurance in God. Think of that. Biblical hope is this certainty and confidence in who God is, in what God has promised, in what God has done. And now I want you to go back to the passage that we just read and look in verse three. I want you to pay attention to the hope that Peter wants to make boldly front and center to these believers in the first century. It's in verse three. And Peter says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord, Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, according to Peter, the resurrection is what makes living hope possible. It's why Peter uses that small word, but a very critical word, that word through. He says, we're born again into this living hope, this undying hope, a hope that erupts with life inside of us only through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. River West. This is the only reason that you and I can rest assured in the midst of a global pandemic. It's because God raised Jesus Christ up from the dead 2,000 years ago on Easter Sunday. This is why Peter refers to Christian hope as living hope. It's because Christ is risen and alive, demonstrating through his resurrection that sin and death have been defeated and swallowed up in victory, as Paul would ex exclaim in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is the central hope of Christianity the hope of the gospel, the good news that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is alive, ruling and reigning at the right hand of God and with us in times of trouble. And folks, apart from this hope, all other hopes that we trust in will eventually wither and die. Everything from our career, to our health, to our success and material wealth will eventually grow old, wear out, disappoint us, and die. There's no other living hope outside of the hope of the gospel. But when we tap into this hope, this living hope in a Savior who conquered death, even when bitter trials come, even these cannot rob us of our hope. Instead, according to Peter, although this might startle us, they do the opposite. They actually refine our hope. They deepen our hope when we experience bitter suffering. In verses six and seven, 
Peter says this. Listen to these words. He says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. First in this passage, Peter shows us why we can rest assured, rest secure in our living hope. But here, he's showing us why we can actually rejoice through this living hope, even in the midst of a global pandemic where there's so much suffering, so much fear, so much uncertainty. According to the Apostle Peter, when you and I are grieved by various trials in this life, even these can serve in the hands of Jesus to refine our faith and hope so it burns more brightly within us. This is the meaning underneath this poignant picture that Peter's, Peter offers us in this passage of a refiner's fire. You see, fire does not destroy gold. Instead, it only serves to rem remove its impurities so that gold becomes even more radiant and beautiful, more pure and genuine the longer that it's tested and tried by fire. You know, I think it's fascinating that for centuries now, gold has been commonly understood as the symbol and the commodity that represents the greatest wealth, the greatest security that we could acquire in this life. In fact, some of you may know that even this last week, many investors made the decision to actually move money out of other stocks and invest in gold. Why? Because gold tends to hold its value even when other aspects of our economy are unstable. Even when we're facing an unbelievable economic downturn, there's only so much gold in the Federal Reserve. So it has incredible and unique value. But listen to Peter's point that he draws out in this passage. He tells us and he says that genuine faith and love for Christ is more precious. It literally in the Greek, it reads much more precious than the purest of gold. Because as Peter points out, Gold perishes. Like all other things, material wealth perishes. My friends, if you draw anything out from this message today, I want you to hear this. In the end, there is only one hope, one certainty in this life that's imperishable, that's undefiled and unfading. And it is the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. It is the living hope that we have in Jesus, our Savior. Now I know, for many of you that are tuning in, you're in the midst right now of an experience that feels like a furnace. You're being tested and tried by fiery trials in this present moment right now. I know because I've been on the phone with with many of you. I've received prayer requests from so many of you. I know some of you have lost sources of income. Some of you have friends and family members who are sick right now. Many more are struggling with the deep emotional and relational toll and stress of this quarantine experience and you're feeling weary. Your hopes are feeling run aground and worn out. So I know for some, the idea of rejoicing with a joy, as Peter says, that's inexpressible and full of glory, it feels deeply disconnected from what you're feeling and experiencing in your life right now. But I want you to hear this. The rejoicing that Peter's talking about in the midst of trials that grieves us, it is not a blind optimism that ignores the harsh realities of pain and suffering in our broken world. It isn't an ignorant kind of rejoicing that doesn't make space for lament or or just a positivity and, and optimism that actually just pushes aside the pain and suffering that so many are experiencing. Instead, what I want you to see is what Peter does from the very start of this deeply personal, intimate pastoral letter is he acknowledges that the Christian life is a pilgrimage through a world that is broken, where things are not the way that they're supposed to be, and that this life, even on its most beautiful, bright, 80-degree days, it's not our ultimate home. In fact, I want you to notice something. Remember how Peter addressed these Christians who were experiencing intense suffering and persecution back in verse 1. In verse 1, Peter addresses these Christians that are scattered in homes in Asia Minor. He calls them elect exiles. In verse 1, he says, to those who are elect exiles. And isn't that fascinating? You know, for years now, I've wondered what this imagery, this identity that Peter impresses upon the Christians that were scattered throughout the world, why he called them elect exiles. And honestly, there's so much truth to this identity, to this imagery that Peter draws up that's packed in this statement. We can't draw out everything that Peter wants to actually impress upon the hearts of those that would read the letter. But one thing that is certain, one of the reasons that Peter alludes to this imagery of exile is he's reminding these first century believers why they can rejoice even when 
all hope seems lost. You see, my friends, when Israel went into Babylon as refugees and exiles in the Old Testament, they lost everything. Folks lost homes. They lost loved ones. But they also lost access to the temple and to public times of prayer and worship. But just when, in the darkest moments in Israel's history, in Babylon, when all hope seemed lost, when the psalmist said that that Israel, they hung their harps, their instruments for rejoicing, by the rivers of Babylon and found it hard to actually worship the Lord in a strange land, God sent prophets of hope like Isaiah and Jeremiah to them to remind God's people that they were not abandoned or forgotten. They were still God's chosen, beloved people, elected and loved, yet in exile. Elect and yet in exile. You know, for the first time in my Christian experience, I think I'm beginning to understand in a small measure, what it must have felt like for God's people to experience exile, to have your entire way of life disrupted, uprooted, to not be able to gather and worship together in community, to be separated from those that you love, to have so many of your hopes tried by fire. Doesn't it feel like we're all navigating this strange sort of exile experience in the midst of this COVID-19 outbreak? And yet I believe deep down that God wants to use the fires that we're experiencing to refine our faith and hope so that it burns more brightly in and through our community in this time and the days ahead. River West Church, no matter what we're facing right now in this present moment, we have reason to rejoice because of the living hope of the gospel. It assures us that we have something more precious than wealth or health that perishes. Peter tells us in verse four, we have an inheritance that is imperishable, that's undefiled and unfading, that's kept in heaven for us, that is guarded by our risen savior, Jesus Christ, that nothing can rob. That no amount of suffering, no economic downturn can take that away. Friends, that hope, if you believe it, as strange as it sounds in this exile experience where we're all wearing masks and we can't come together and our hearts, we miss real people. You need to know our hope is greater, stronger, brighter 
than the most bitter suffering this world can dish out. One day soon, this life of exile, it will come to an end. It will, it's a promise from Jesus Christ. Every longing, every hope will find its home in what Peter calls the revelation of Jesus Christ, which is a phrase that refers to Christ's return. When Christ returns one day, he'll usher in the reign of a new heaven and a new earth. And there will be no sickness. There'll be no death. There'll be no sin. There'll be no separation. And my friends, there will be no social distancing. We'll be together with one another in the paradise that Jesus Christ has personally prepared for us. And let me tell you, there will be a joy that is inexpressible and full of glory. So River West Church, friends tuning in, wherever you're at, we have reason to rejoice because we can rest assured we have a savior that loves us. He's not abandoned us. He's with us in this time and he'll use every fire to actually refine faith and hope so that you and I can be sustained through this time and our faith can flourish. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for the living hope of Christ that allows us, Lord, in the midst of so much fear, so many questions that are welling up in our hearts, we have a hope that is alive, that will never disappoint us. And I pray, Father, that you would use the fires of this time to refine our faith and hope so it burns more brightly than ever in our hearts and allows us to take comfort and consolation in Christ as we're experiencing so many of us deep grief, deep fears. Father, may the hope of the gospel, like a gold that shines brightly, burn within us so that we can find our joy and our satisfaction in you in this uncertain time. And all of God's people said, amen.